You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. And I got to tell you, this is one that we've been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, Tonight, we're lucky enough to welcome a very special hitter whose career spans nearly 40 years. Uh, Whether it be getting her start in entertainment right here on the stages of Broadway, capturing the hearts of audiences worldwide through her performances, Ariel and Disney's Little Mermaid, and all of the tremendous stage and voiceover work she's done since, uh, this is just a huge honor for me as a host, no matter which way you look at it. Um, A Tony nominee, a Disney legend. She's truly the good stuff in show business. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to Home Plate. Just beyond the marquee, now batting Jody Benson. Jody, welcome to Break a Bat. Well, thank you, Al. That was such a sweet intro. I really appreciate that. So much fun to get to be with you. And uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, It is an honor in every way. Where are you joining us from tonight, Jody? We live in North Georgia. So we moved here in 2005 from Los Angeles uh, to the poultry capital of the world, Gainesville, Georgia. And uh, yeah, that's right. The poultry capital of the world. But we um, we live on Lake Lanier and uh, we moved here when our kids were four and six and homeschooled them here for 15 years. And it's just been amazing. So we love living on the lake, looking out at the mountains. Very thankful. Very, very thankful. So, yeah, that's where that's where I'm based right now. So did you convert to a Braves fan when you moved out there? Because I know you're an <laughs> Illinois girl originally, so I wasn't sure if you were a Cubs fan, uh, White Sox fan. No, Cubs, all the way Cubs. Sorry if I offend any of your listeners or followers. Uh, no, I'm a Cub fan through and through. And uh, to be really, really honest with you, I have not been to a Braves game. I know that's hard to believe after 15 years of living here. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Um, but no, just, you know, busy with the kids and traveling and stuff like that. So I I have not been to a game. So I'm going to be in that's trouble. It's all right. You know, nonetheless, I, I'm just so happy that you have, you know, some love of sports. And it sounds like you and I yes. have a lot in common because, you know, we both come from an Italian family that loves yes. sports and theater. Am I accurate in saying that? Yes. Yes. My maiden name is Marzarati. I wish it was Maserati, like the sports car. That was yeah, my life would be totally different, but uh, it's it's not. And yes, I'm I'm an Italian girl and had Sunday meals of, of amazing homemade risotto from my grandma Mary and lots and lots of food and great times um, growing up. Yeah, lots and lots of fun. So yeah, I'm Italian from Illinois and then uh, met my husband in Nashville, Tennessee. We moved to when we got married, we moved to New York and lived there for many years doing Broadway. And then once I started working with Disney, moved to Los Angeles for eight years. And then we decided we wanted to uh, leave the big city. And we moved to this beautiful remote sort of area in North Georgia. And so happy. Yeah, we love it. 
Now, you obviously have a tremendous theater scene in Chicago. Is that kind of how you caught the performing bug? Or was it trips to New York City growing up, cast albums? How did you fall in love with this? I fell in love with theater um, probably when I was eight years old. Uh, I was in um, middle school. I went to a, a parochial Catholic school from first through eighth and then ninth through twelfth. So I was probably like in sixth grade when we did this little play in the cafeteria, Rumpelstiltskin. And I had the the lead, you know, the lead girl in that or whatever. And that's kind of when I was like, hmm, this is really fun. And I had started singing when I was probably four or five, just singing around the house. My family's very musical and we just all kind of enjoyed listening to music, dancing to music. Nobody, of course, did anything professionally by any means, but um, I had a love, a great love of music growing up. And my first cast album that I bought was Marvin Hamlish, um, A Chorus Line. And I, um, (laughs) in our basement, we had this, this mirror and I would choreograph all the numbers that I thought they would be like of a chorus line. And so I was probably like 12, 13, 14, maybe. I had never seen a Broadway show. I don't think I had seen a show in Chicago at that point, because that would be like a really big, fancy, huge thing to do. And we we really didn't do that kind of thing um, as a family. So yeah, I just got this crazy notion that I wanted to pursue musical theater without ever having seen a professional show, which is <laughs> really weird. And um, after my parents divorced and things were just, you know, kind of crazy during high school, I had to stay in state and go to a college. And I was looking for a scholarship, any kind of scholarship. Of course, I wanted to go to CCM in Cincinnati. That was really my dream school, but that wasn't, that wasn't going to, be happening for me. And um, so I auditioned for a little tiny private school in Decatur, Illinois, the soybean capital of the world. And uh, I got the highest scholarship there for the BFA and musical theater program. We were the first year to create that program. So that's really where I got my first training. That was my first voice teacher, really dance classes, first acting class. So I was 17 when I started college and left in the middle of my sophomore year when I was 18. I was hired to do um, a non-equity tour. A girl broke her ankle, the leading lady. I had auditioned for the company in the Christmas break. And they called me in March and said, we need you in LA in two weeks. So I left. Uh, I finished all my finals for my sophomore year in college, finished a show. I I was doing the principal role in a musical. And uh, thought I would go back right away to school. But literally after six months of doing that show, I went straight to New York and on the 10th day got my first uh, Broadway national tour. So crazy, but I did go back to school 10 years later when I was doing Crazy For You on Broadway. Uh, My husband came up with this wonderful idea. He's like, hmm, have you ever thought about finishing your degree? And I had talked to Roy Disney about it. Roy, of course, was the head of our animation department at the time for Disney, and we were really good friends and like a father figure, just a really great guy. And so I talked to him about it. He's like, you know what? I think that's a great idea. I mean, I think, yes, it's a piece of paper, but it's more of a sense of accomplishment, you know, for you. 
And as I travel around and do master classes, he goes, I think, I think it would be a really great idea. So that's kind of what I did. I just uh, reached out to the school. They took my two years of of my grades and let me continue with my catalog. And uh, I shoved two years of school into a semester and a half. And I went on my day off and I walked and threw up my my cap (laughs) and graduated (laughs) 10 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Well, does the Tony nomination, you know, kind of grant you an instant graduation? (laughs) No. And that was the whole thing because I did not want an honorary degree. I wanted to earn a real degree. And so it had to be a unanimous vote by the board of directors to unanimously approve that I had the permission to go back to my 1983 catalog and finish my degree because I had a 4.0 and I was a really serious student. And so what they did is they sent a staff of professors to see crazy for you. And while they watched the show, they graded me on various classes I would have taken if I were still on campus. So what would happen is you basically clep out and I would get a grade during the show. And then the remaining classes that I had, I flew back for my week vacation and I did all my practical exams on campus as a student for the week. And then the last day of my classes, after I finished all my finals and all my practical, you know, costume, makeup, wardrobe, directing, everything that needed to be done on campus. Um, then I turned around, went into the theater and I gave a professional concert as a, as a professional. But that whole week that I was there, I was a student, you know, on campus. <laughs> it was crazy. It was so much fun. But yeah, no, I, I actually earned my degree and uh, summa cum laude, thank you very much, with a 4.0. I'm pretty proud of that. And um, it was not an honorary degree. So yeah, I, I worked my tush off that semester because I was doing eight shows a week on Broadway. I was recording the Little Mermaid TV series during the day. And then I'd get home from the show at 11.20 and I'd do my schoolwork till 3 a.m. And then I go to bed and get up and start my day job and then my night job and then my school job. <laughs> it was pretty crazy, but, but it was, like I said, I only had to make it last for a whole like semester and a half. So. That's yeah. absolutely amazing. And I, I give you, so, I give you so many props because it would be very easy to, you know, kick back and take that honorary degree, but you went out and did it the right way. You proved yourself and uh, much respect on that. Front. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, but yeah, so fun. You know, you allude to that Broadway lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I know your second show back in the eighties, you know, you booked smile doesn't last very long, but you know, the right. lyricist for the show is the great Howard Ashman, and, you right. know, one of the eventual musical geniuses behind The Little Mermaid. Um, mm-hmm. To my understanding, it was while you were doing Smile that you first heard about The Little Mermaid through Howard. And Right. Yeah. And he started working for Mermaid as we kind of knew that our show was going down the drain. And I was so happy for him that he had this amazing opportunity ahead of him. But I think he just felt so badly that the show tragically closed so early that he invited all the girls to audition for The Little Mermaid. Not that anybody was going to get anything. I think it was more of just a a kind gesture that he kind of felt sorry for us. And um, so I did. I 
was one of the, all the, you know, we all went in and auditioned and laid down a audio track on reel to reel tape, big old tape machine where you, you know, press play and record at the same time. And the assistant casting director and, uh, just kind of came up with this voice I thought Ariel would have. And, and I learned a little bit of the song and laid down that reel to reel tape. And a year later got the call that, uh, I was Ariel, you know, so it was just such a shock. I mean, I had no idea, uh, no, never would have guessed in a million years, uh, that I would have been cast. That's a fairly long process. Now, didn't you live with the animators solely so they could like capture parts of you and draw them into the actual character? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't live, live together, but you know, we're together all the time at the studio. So basically Glenn Keane and all the animators, Mark Henn and everybody, they would sit in on all of the recording sessions while we were in the studio and they've got their sketchbook. They've got their Walkmans, you know, their little Walkmans because they're like recording it. And then they take it back to their little cubbies, you know, (laughs) their little offices. Because at the time, uh, Disney animation was off the lot. And we were in a huge transition of of feature animation department was was in a really big transition period. And uh, so actually Disney animation was removed from the lot, sent to Flower Street in these trailers. And in these trailers would be just all these little cubicles and um, that's where the animators lived. So it was really fun. Cause like one day when I walked in after work, I walked in the door of the, one of the trailers and one of the, you know, pop-up buildings that they were transferred to. And I started talking to the person at the door and all these little heads pop up over their little, <laughs> their little plexiglass barriers and they kind of look at me because they've been listening to my voice, you know, day in and day out. But that was really fun. So, so fun to see the development of, of everything that, that Glenn and Mark came up with for Ariel. You know, from a very talented stage actress's perspective, you know, what did you think of, you know, the project, you know, when you first took a look at the script and, you know, could you have ever imagined that it would, you know, take on the life that it did, especially when it got released? Because to my understanding, Uh, When it first came out, you know, Disney didn't necessarily want the performer connected to the character, but things changed, you know, shortly after it was released. What do you remember about that? And, you know, your initial first impressions? I mean, the first impression was, this is incredible. I don't know how in the world I got this. And I felt really, really unqualified to walk into the studio because I'd never been behind a microphone before. I'd never been inside you know, this type of a thing with voiceover. Um, and I, ah, I just did not know what I was doing at all. So I think the not knowing just kind of made it even more special because every day was like a surprise for me and learning something new. And again, we were just never going to be announced, never going to be publicized, roll the credits at the end you'd have to stop your VHS to probably even figure out who was who. And because, you know, I wasn't a celebrity, nobody would ever recognize my voice in a million years. So it was just back and forth, New York, LA, back and forth, doing a Broadway show, recording this, but not talking about it. I think a few people in my family asked, you know, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing this 
you know, animated and they're like, oh, but see back then in the eighties, the voiceover and animation was really what you did at the end of your career, like on the way down, you know, voiceover did not have a great positive a spin to it as far as the entertainment industry. It was really looked down upon in the eighties. So when I would tell people I would be doing this, they'd be like, oh gosh, you know, well, maybe you'll get to be on camera sometime and like get a real job. Um, so I just stopped telling people about it because it was kind of, I don't know, it wasn't really well received. Um, and then all of a sudden it was at the screenings, the press screenings started to happen. And we started to hear like, oh, the press really love this. And it's kind of taken this life on it. And all of a sudden, Disney's going, whoa, this is big. I mean, this is pretty special. So then I get a call going, hey, uh, can you go on press tour? I'm like, what? Why, why would I do that? And they're like, well, we're going a different way now. And I was like, okie dokie. So it was like 23 cities in 20 days, something like that. And so boom, that just changed life right there because then it would be identified like, oh, here's the actress that does the voice and here's her name and her name is now attached with this film. And so it just went completely 180 degrees different than what we had been told. Uh, and, and it just kind of started from there and started to snowball into this thing that I just thought I was going to do this one project, go back to New York and no one will ever know. And I'll get a paycheck and it'll be great. And that'll be that. And so here we are 30, you know, 30 for me, I've been with the company since 86. So what is that? 35 years. Here we are 35 years later. And it's still, you know, my full-time thing. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's such a wonderful, wonderful surprise. Everything about it is a surprise, which makes it so, so sweet. It, you know, what amazes me, and I'm serious when I say this, is you sound almost exactly the same now when you're singing the song. Part well, I your... have to, because otherwise I won't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I it mean, makes me... Yeah, the bottom line is, the bottom line is there are 600, 800, 1,000 girls standing right next to me that can do this. And so, you know, once you get cast, especially now, because now voiceover is huge and very, very um, positive and looked upon with great esteem and every celebrity wants to be part of I mean, who doesn't want to be part of a Disney iconic film that you're going to live with for the rest of your life, you know? Um, so I have to sound like her. I need to be able to recreate that moment when you first saw the film. That's my job. And I take it with great responsibility and, and tremendous honor. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got to sound just like it. So I just want to, you know, use a little baseball tie in here for a second. An athlete's skill set has a shorter lifespan, but it's sure. almost like what we saw with Mariana Rivera, a great New York Yankee Hall of Fame closer. 
Uh, he was performing just as well at age 40 as he was at 26 or 27. And it obviously took a lot of hard work, uh, commitment to the craft, love of what you do. For you personally, has it been tough to maintain the gift that you've been given with your singing voice? Or are there certain adjustments you've made you know, to your technique um, that you wouldn't notice? I think as long as I sleep well, eat well, rest well, hydrate well, take good, good care of myself, you know, exercise and just overall stay healthy. Um, I'm good to go. You know, she's innately a part of me. So I, I can very easily, you know, have her join us. And that's, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And, but, you know, I need to do my part to, to make sure that I, that I can do that because obviously for singers, especially women, uh, and I imagine men too, your voice does change as you age. I mean, there's, there's really no way around that, but I know how to manipulate it enough to make sure that I try to stay to sound exactly like the recording to the best of my ability. So, so far, so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, so it's, far, it's, so good. <laughs> it's so, it's so impressive because like you said, it's so easy for folks now to, you know, press the recast button. Um, but oh, when you're sure. able to maintain, when you're able to maintain that talent for such a long period of time, uh, I think that's really what, you know, separates the greats and, and, well, and certainly in that, in that class. <laughs> I think, um, I think the reality came to play when my daughter was four. And I brought her on stage with me for a symphony concert because I, I, since we homeschooled, my kids traveled with me when I perform and, you know, make appearances and stuff. So she had on a cute little dress and I brought her out on stage. She didn't really know that this was going to happen. I just brought her out before I started to sing Part of Your World. And I think I told the conductor and, and I introduced her to the audience and they all oohed and nod. And I did a little Q&A with her. I'm like, so tell them your name. And she's like, Delaney. And, they, and I said, and how old are you? And she said, I'm four. And I said, and what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, this was all unplanned, completely unplanned. And she took the mic out of my hand, literally, because I was like holding it up for her to talk. She literally grabbed that mic out of my hand and told the audience, I'm going to be the voice of Ariel when my mommy dies. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? And the audience just went crazy. I was so blown away. I could not believe that she said that because she's never said that before. And she's four years old. (laughs) Ever. I've never heard her say that before. Ever. Never that she ever wanted to be Ariel. And of course, never say, you know, when my mommy dies. And I just, and I took the mic back and I said, what did you say, sweet girl? And she said, well, yeah, mommy, when you die, I'm going to be the new Ariel. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We laughed so hard. Yeah. she. she <laughs> and then she proceeded to, then the music started and my husband's off stage and he's like waving at her to come off the stage now because I'm about to sing my signature song, you know, and she wouldn't leave. She would not leave. She stood right next to me. And then she tapped me on my arm and she put her hand up to take the mic. So she took the mic from me 
And she starts the song. <laughs> I was like, what is going on with you? Who are you right now? And I think everybody in the audience, I mean, I think they were just shocked. I, I was completely shocked. So they knew that it wasn't planned or, you know, rehearsed. And then finally, she, I, I took the mic. I said, honey, do you think it would be okay if I just finish my song for these nice people? And she's like, well, okay, mommy. And then she left the stage and we started over again. It was just so funny. So, you know, there's always people waiting in the wings. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, even internally with the family. <laughs> even, even your blood relative children. Just kidding. You know, you've accomplished so much as you know, as far as creating an iconic character and a legacy that's as strong as ever. Uh, With that said, is there some passion project you'd love to be a part of one day in the future, whether it be with Ariel or a new character that you'd like to bring to life? I know you've done so much great work, you know, even beyond the Little Mermaid franchise. But is that something you ever give thought to? You know, Al, I think at this point in my life. you know, and I'm old and everything, and I've been doing this a long time. I'm so happy and so content. I can honestly say I'm completely content and fulfilled with everything that I've done in my life and in my career. So anything that happens from this point on truly is just icing on an amazing cake. That's the way I look at it. So I have nothing left on my bucket list to do. And Everything else that's going to happen between now and whenever is just going to be a lovely surprise. So I have no expectations whatsoever. And and so I think that's just a really great place to be because I love what I do. I love my voiceover. I love symphony concerts. I'm going back live with a live orchestra next weekend. I'm so excited. I have not stood on a stage in front of a live audience with a live orchestra in 14 months that's a really long time when you've been doing it as long as I have. That's, that's been like, ah, ripping that out of my heart. So I'm so excited and they've got all the protocol in place. Everybody's going to be safe and tested. And I'm probably going to be like a sobbing baby when I walk on the stage for the first time, truly, because it's so unbelievable that it just was ripped from our lives, everybody's lives turned upside down, but especially those of us in the entertainment industry where we do large gatherings uh, of large groups of people. Uh, for me, it's anywhere from you know 5,000 to 100,000 people. So obviously my livelihood has, has changed drastically since March 13th, 2020. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm probably gonna fall apart because you know, when you've done something your whole life and you just are so passionate about sharing music and sharing stories with people, it's just, oh, to reconnect with people. So I'm, I'm just grateful. I don't have any other agenda. I don't have any other boxes to check off in my life or like, oh, I really wish I would have. I really don't. I mean, I can honestly say I don't have one box that wasn't checked from my childhood dream. I've already done it. And so I think that just makes this season really, really sweet. I'd like to have grandchildren, which I I really feel like I will uh, in the not too far, far future. Um, So I'm super excited to be able to have that season of life. 
um, and want to stay strong and healthy, you know, as long as I can to enjoy that new season when, whenever that happens. And I'll tell my kids, there's no rush. There's no rush. But I, I, that is one of those sweet spots that I'm very excited about. I absolutely love that. And, you know, I do have to ask Jody, is there anything more surreal? You know, you talk about, you know, checking off every, you know, every box, you know, from your childhood dream. Is there anything more surreal than finding out that you're a Disney legend? I think we're celebrating the 10 year anniversary of when that happened. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Can't believe it was 10 years ago. It feels like a month ago. I remember that day. And see, that's the other thing I'm so thankful for that I was given wise advice many, many years ago because I'm an older mom. Um, I, I was older having children. I had difficulty having children, but also doing eight shows a week. I did not want to um, have a nanny. And so I had to make the decision of the transition from eight shows a week to voiceover symphony, things that would work around being a full-time mom because I wanted to be a full-time mom. Um, But I just, I feel like, you know, every opportunity that I've been given, the wise advice I was given years ago was to savor every moment, like really, really live in the moment. Don't, don't think about tomorrow. Just like soak up everything that today has. And the Disney Legends Day is one of those days because I kept telling myself, you're going to want to remember every moment of this day forever. And so I kept saying that to myself. And so I do. I have vivid memories from going to bed the night before, waking up, and the entire day I can recall every part of that day. Oh my gosh, it was so such a beautiful day, such an honor and a lovely surprise. Cause I mean, when I got the call from Disney, I knew that there was a, um, let's say a freshening up in the voiceover department was going on during this time. And so I was telling myself if I got the call, like some of my other friends got that we are refreshing Ariel I was going to be okay with that because I thought, all right, I've had a good run. I mean, this has been great. I never expected it to be this long. So no hard feelings. It's all good. So I got myself ready for that for about six months. So when I got the call from the heads at Disney, I thought that was my day to get my call. So I got on the phone and I was like, Chris, Thank you so much for calling me. I just want you to know right off the bat, I've been so grateful for every year, every decade, every experience I've had. I couldn't be more thankful. I couldn't be more grateful. And it's totally fine with me. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm calling to find out if you would be willing to accept the honor of becoming a Disney legend. And then I dropped the phone. So I dropped the phone. I start crying and I pick the phone and he's like, Jody, Jody, are you there? Are you there? So I pick up the phone. I'm like, oh my God. He goes, what did you, I said, I thought you were firing me. He's like firing you. I said, well, you know, not like firing, like I did something wrong, but like replacing, refreshing, updating. He's like, no. And it just took me the whole conversation to actually sink in what he was saying to me. (laughs) So I think 
my Disney legend story is, you know, very different where I, again, completely out of the blue, completely surprised, not expected. And then all of those types of things, when they happen, are just 10 times more special, you know? And I have vivid memories of where I was sitting for that phone call. <laughs> and if the folks at home want a real treat, you go on YouTube, you look up Jody singing part of your world that night, and it is unbelievable. You could just feel the emotion of the crowd. And from you personally, Jody, that's one oh. of the cooler, cooler moments that I've gotten to see, you know, in the Disney can- uh, canon. It is. Um, there's nothing like having the opportunity. I remember walking up to the stage manager because I was the last one to receive the award in our particular group of princesses. And she came, you know, and I, she said, you know, keep your speech at 30 seconds, la la la. And I just walked up to her. I said, listen, I said, I've been with the company for a really long time and I have never publicly been able to thank people. I don't have a speech. I don't have anything prepared, but whatever's going to come out, it probably won't be on your clock. So I'm just going to apologize now because I don't want to focus on the clock. I really want to focus on saying thank you. And she's like, she whispered, she got off the mic and her headset. And she said, Jody, you just do whatever you want to girl. I'm like, okay. There we go. I got permission. So at least I told her ahead of time so that they wouldn't be like, you know, getting the hook. It's like, you don't have to get the hook. It's not like I'm going to be out there for 15 minutes, but it might be like 90 seconds or something like that. And uh, yeah, that was just such a, a thrill to be able to say thank you to everybody. And I remembered everybody, which I was really surprised about because when I watched it back, I was like, Oh, I really did remember everybody. I'm so thankful because I didn't really have anything. I kind of like had a couple little things down on like a little one by one inch piece of paper. I don't know, but that was just such a, such a, such an amazing day. Absolutely amazing. And I hope one day, you know, you mentioned that you're going back on stage next week that, you know, maybe you could grace the uh, stages of Broadway again one day. I know that would certainly be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I know you, you already had quite the run, you know, especially trying to get through, you know, college the last time you performed on the Great White Way. But yeah, uh, maybe something crazy. you could look, something we could look forward to as an audience again. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, I get asked that question a lot, like, when are you coming back? And I said, you know what? When you have reached all of the dreams and the hopes and the wishes you ever had for your life, as far as Broadway is concerned, I was able to create a starring role. I was able to originate a starring role. I was able to win a, a, a you know a Tony Award for the best musical. I mean, that is it, not a personal Tony Award. That wasn't important to me. Winning the best musical on Broadway is the highest award, I think, for me personally, that I could ever achieve, being part of the process. Um, so when that all happened, you know, singing for the Kennedy Center Honors and doing all the press and publicity and having the experiences and doing the show for, you know, close to three and a half years from creation to out, I just don't think anything could ever top, I'm not even going to say top that. It's like, it's like I left New York with that experience and I just don't know. There's part of me that's hesitant 
what would it be like all these years later to go back and do eight shows a week? Would I have that same passion in my heart? Because everything about Crazy For You was sheer perfection. I was so happy to go to work every day. I couldn't wait to get to work every day. I I just, it was such a pure joy that I don't know how anything could ever compare to that. And I think that would be unfair then to the project that I was doing if I would constantly be comparing or thinking about, but it's not like how I felt back then. You know, I don't know. I, I could be way off. I don't know. But it's not on my radar right now. Like if somebody called, which I, I know they wouldn't, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, that was so many years ago. But if some freak of nature happened and somebody called me and said, hey, I've got blah, 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 this, this, this. I'd probably listen in on it and kind of think about it, but man, that'd be really hard to go back and not compare. That would be really hard for me. Well, hey, listen, I mentioned Mariano Rivera before, and you know, I, I'm sure you know Derek Jeter. They both ended, you know, their runs on Broadway on such high notes. Uh, so, I, you know, there's sometimes you just don't want to mess with that. And you know, speaking yeah. of a little baseball here, um, before we play fastball derby, Jody, my original co-host Scotty Katzman just popped on here, and he's actually a big fan of yours. Uh, he asked me if he could come on. He's prepared a little something he wants to share with you in the uh, spirit of baseball meets Broadway. Oh, great. Hey, how are you? Well, hey, yeah. Hey, hey, Jody. Now, thanks for having me back on. This is cool. It's always awesome. nice to be back with, with the uh, with the Broadway crew here. And Al, it's, it's always a pleasure as always. But um, I actually was hemming and hawing before this, before this uh, podcast because I wanted to do something special. And uh, since this is a cameo appearance, I, I thought I'd get in, in the full spirit of, uh, of a true cameo artist here. And I'm going to sing you a song. Um, oh, wonderful! Yeah, I, I had I actually wrote you this song because <gasps> I was worried that you you might end up, you know, at some point uh, as a professional baseball player, and <laughs> if that happens, you might not be sure if you want to become a batter or a pitcher. So okay. I'm, okay. I kind of had envisioned that problem, you having that problem, and uh, <laughs> I I put something down. And if you ever have that problem, you can just think back to right now. Okay, so okay, just Fabulous. just a little background. <laughs> but I'll it's start. not a full song to my understanding, Jody. So let's hear what you've got. Yeah, I'll keep it short. I'll, I won't. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, okay. All right. Miss Benson, listen to me. Life in the dugout. It's a mess. Throwing fastballs is better than anything they got over there. When we throw these balls, they're going one way. And in that direction, all the batters say, there's no way we can ever hit that because that ball is going right past the swing, right past the swing. Fast balls are faster. Down goes the batter when it's strike three. Oh, right past the swing, right past the swing. Fast balls are faster right at the catcher when it's strike three. Out in the batter's box, they work all day. Out in the sun, they swing away <laughs> while we devoting full time to throwing. Right past the swing. Wow, so there, that there was amazing. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> I am blown. You know what? No one has ever written a song for me that wow. is under the sea with a baseball theme. So wow. Well, it's, I'm you, I'm surprised. I'm actually shocked by that. You, no, no <laughs> one has no one has written me a song 
to Under the Sea, period. No one. Wow. And, well, and so you're the first. Kind of an honor then. Wow. I know. That's so exciting. What a, that was what a, really fun. What, a, what an opportunity. I couldn't let it go. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be on here. It's a lot of fun. Um, these podcasts <laughs> are a lot of fun. And, and I had so much fun recording these with Al back last year. We did these pre-COVID in New York City. It was always mm-hmm. a great time. We would get together, get some drinks after, meet people. It's just a good experience. And like everything they're doing over here at this whole network is, is, is pretty exciting. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to have done it for a little bit. And uh, now I, now I got my thing as a cameo guy. So maybe I can keep this going. Yeah. Maybe I can call back into a couple. Yeah. Yeah. You could be like a songwriter. Maybe that's your thing. I I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm glad you you liked it though. I did. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, no one's ever written me a song before. So I, I'm, I'm very, very, very touched. Well, I'm glad you are. And yeah. well, we, we've got some more special surprises coming up, Al. Well, thank oh. you, Scotty. You did a great job. Do you want to stay and play fastball derby with uh, Jody to wrap the show? Ah, uh, that would be great. I've, I've got the, I've got all your notes right here. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to throw. As awesome. They say. Fantastic. Yeah. Show the old uh, Raldus Chapman here to Jody. So basically, uh, Jody, th- what we do here is uh, I want you to picture yourself, you know, in the batter's box, ninth inning, two outs, games on the line. You mm-hmm. got to think quick because there's a flamethrowing closer on the mound named Raldus Chapman. And uh, we'll ask you a question. You tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. How does that sound? Oh, it sounds frightening. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that sounds good. Now, Scotty, I think you have the uh, odd questions here. Why don't you start, buddy? Oh, okay. I see that. All right. Favorite New York City meal? Uh, uh, egg salad on a roll from uh, the deli 57th and 7th. Nice. Nice. All right. We're, we're moving here. Excellent. Question two. Team Jeter or Team A-Rod? Team Jeter. I knew you were a winner. Excellent choice, Jody. (laughs) (laughs) The other one's on social media too much. Too much social media. You're not wrong about that. It's just too much. It's just a lot of exposure. A lot. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I love it. All right. We're, We're on to question three already. All right. Greatest baseball game or sporting event you've ever been to? Um, Auburn University, uh, college where my husband and my sister-in-law went. So the, uh, national game, uh, the finals in, uh, Glendale, Arizona, and we were there and they won. So that was just like the most amazing sporting event I've ever been to. That really, that sounds amazing. It's always cool to have a memory like that from a, from a live sporting event. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's 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 awesome. Auburn Tigers War Eagle. Let's go. There you I go. love that. <laughs> <laughs> Excluding your own favorite Disney film. Cinderella. That that's the movie that I grew up with. So that's my first impression of Disney is Cinderella. Definitely. Oh, okay. This is a hardball question. This is a tough one, I'll say. Um Ooh, okay. you can be the lead in one Broadway show. What would it be? Um, right now, uh, if I were 30 years younger, I would say Elsa in Frozen because of, um, of course the beautiful music, 
the costumes and the set, but it's Disney, but also the reaction of all the kids in the audience. I think that would just be amazing to have them singing along with you. But I'd have to be a whole lot younger to play that role. So yeah, that's okay. You know a thing or two about great American music. Who's America's band? The Beach Boys or the Eagles? Eagles. Eagles, yeah. I'm not a Beach Boy fan. Sorry. I'm slightly disappointed. You, you may have just Sorry. offended Al. <laughs> I mean, if we can talk about the Doobie Brothers, we can talk about Chicago, we can talk about Hollow Notes, we can talk about Little River Band, we can talk about the Eagles, but I'm not a Beach Boy fan. If it means you're an Eagles fan, that's all right. I I specifically asked them because they're my two favorite (laughs) fans. (laughs) Scotty, you're up, buddy. Okay. All right. Um, You have to binge watch The Brady Bunch or Full House. Which are you binging? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go with Brady Bunch. Going to go with Brady Bunch because I probably did watch every episode growing up of that. I, 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 uh, I was pretty good with that show. Wasn't a Full House fan. Um, but again, that's later in life, you know, and then of course my kids weren't involved in that one either. So, but yeah, I grew up with Brady Bunch. Yeah. I, I, I actually, my like first exposure to Brady Bunch was like two weeks ago when I watched WandaVision and I was like, Oh, what are they like? What is this? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like going back and watching these old shows now, but that's a cool, yeah. like, I like what they're doing with that. That's a really yeah. cool idea. Very. Um, cool. I know we're yeah. getting a little off topic there, but, um, yeah, it's cool. And I, I feel like hopefully think like shows of that nature that, you know, are, are a little more nostalgic to, you know, pr- prior generations can bring in, you know, people. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was really smart. Very smart idea. Yeah. We've got the final three swings here. Broadway days, okay. Jody, what is your most embarrassing on stage moment? Oh gosh, there's many. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Probably when a set piece hit me, uh, hit me over the head and I kind of was flattened out and then um, proceeded to get back on stage and perform the rest of Crazy For You. And by the end of the show, my eyes were swollen and my nose were swollen. (laughs) And I looked like somebody had blown up my face like a balloon. So yeah, that's probably pretty (laughs) embarrassing. (laughs) <laughs> hard to top that one scotty boy yeah okay okay 180 now uh proudest moment of your career Ooh. uh i i i probably say becoming a disney legend i think that that was really such a magical day and a culmination of such great memories yeah i would say that i'd probably say that day and lastly What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Mm. Savor every moment. That is the advice I was given. And uh, I pass that on to everybody. People always ask me, what does savor mean? Like, well, savory. Savory means to make something really, you know, bring out the full flavor of something. So the way I kind of translate it into life is to when we savor every moment of our day and live in the present, as opposed to thinking ahead or thinking behind, we are bringing out the full flavor of that exact same moment. And then I think, especially in raising kids and having any type of special memories, um, I don't want to look back and not remember because I missed it. 
you know, because I, I, I was thinking about something else, either the past or the future, either of which is completely out of my control. So what I do have the opportunity is, is to live today in this moment right now. And so that's, that's the greatest advice I was given. And I pass that on to everybody, especially to parents of young kids or about to have kids. I, I always say, please don't wish them to, to be three or four or wish them to not be a baby. Or I wish, I wish, I wish. I'm like, please just, you know, lock into this day right now and enjoy, really enjoy because it, it flies by quickly. It really does. Yep. That's the greatest advice I've received. That's absolutely amazing, Jody. And, uh, you know, I alluded to it in the intro. You're really the good stuff in show business. So, Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. That's so, that's such a kind thing to say. <laughs> oh, of course. And I'm so grateful you could be on here with us tonight. I'm so excited for our audience to enjoy this. If everyone at home wants to connect with you on social media and see all the cool stuff that you're doing to keep folks entertained, where's the best place where they could find you? Well, it's kind of funny because I'm like the most non-technological person, but I've had to jump in and um, I do have some social media accounts. And the one that seems to be uh, the best way right now is Instagram, and that's uh, Jody.Benson. And I do make sure to let people know my virtual events, um, in-person events, how to buy tickets, that kind of a thing, how to get an autograph, how to do video messages and things like that in this virtual world that we're in right now. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the way people reach out to me every day. Wonderful. Well, I, it was really such an honor. And Scotty, I'm glad that you got to uh, join in for this one too. It was so great. And Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is a lot of fun. This is really well, cool. thank you, Scotty, for the song. That was oh, so of special. Course, anytime. Just let me I know if you want to know it. One and thank oh. you, Al, for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys inviting me. It was very fun. And all the best to, to you guys and your podcast and your followers and your listeners and, and everything. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, folks, and uh, this is Al Malafronte signing off for the uh, Broadway Podcast Network. Can't thank you enough for listening tonight. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.